0: I'm I'm, uh, Chris Alden. I'm director of the uh, LSE Ideas Africa program. Um, We are very pleased to have all of you here. And, uh, uh, in fact, while we usually would wait a few minutes, uh, we have a full house. And I think that's a a good sign. There's a podcast. For those of you whose friends are outside, you needn't worry. There's a podcast going to be made of the event, so they, too, can follow it. We're we're very pleased to have you here this evening uh, to to, uh, listen to... Pierre Denin, who has played a a, a very important role and had uh, influential position in uh, the Mauritius, in what he and others have characterized as the Mauritian miracle. He's going to uh, speak to this tonight, but I'd I'd like to start by uh, um, uh, just giving you a bit of background. He was appointed the external member of the Monetary Policy Committee of the Bank of Mauritius. Uh, is currently a consultant. He, from 1985 to 2004, he was a senior partner of uh, Tchatsel Demi, chartered accountants in Mauritius, and from 92 to 2004, a director of multi consultant. He started his career as the investment officer in the Development Bank of Mauritius, and in this capacity, has has witnessed the the uh, um, transformations that we have seen uh, in in the Mauritius economy. Um, he also moved to the Mauritian Chamber of, Com- of, of Agriculture as a senior economist and was chief uh, in 1968 and chief accountant uh, of, of uh, West, uh, West East Limited 1975-1984. Publish, he's published two books on the economy of Mauritius. Um, uh, "Dizon ans uh, d'Economie Mauritienne et la, Re- la-, la Republique de Maurice. Um, uh, and uh, perhaps most importantly for all of us at the LSC, this is—he's coming home. This is—he uh, was a graduate of, of the LSC, uh, and, and yet another uh, uh, sign for all of you who are, some of you who are students, that, that uh, your future is indeed bright. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Do dinner, please. Yeah.
1: Good evening. As I was coming in uh, Sunday morning, after flying all night from Mauritius, uh, the immigration officer said to me, why are you coming here? And I said, well, to talk about the miracle of Mauritius. He said, what what is miraculous about Mauritius? (laughs) Except for the weather. I said, you're right. For the rest, you better come and listen to what I'm going to say. But he hasn't turned up. (laughs) So... uh, I've been asked to talk about the miracle of Mauritius. You will note that there is no interrogation note afterwards, but at the end we'll see whether we should have a, an interrogation note after the miracle of Mauritius. Perhaps to start with, um, we, so the, the, what's the ob- objective of this event? Is, what is the economic development model of Mauritius? Is it, is it unique? And uh, I'll try to answer three questions. Where Mauritius comes from? How it's come there? And what next, or or, or the way forward? And uh, in the light of the answers, perhaps try to answer a question. Can this model be uh, replicated elsewhere in uh, Africa? Just for those who don't know about Mauritius, where is it located? Because sometimes they forget it on the map. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so, we, we are, as you can see, down there. If you, if you have good eyes, it's, uh, I'll, I'll see, look at my figures. 2000, uh, it's first, first to tell you that it is a, a, an island, it's a, it's a group of islands, four islands. There is Mauritius, which is about 2,000 square kilometers, Rodrigues which we call our dependency – you see, we are a bit colonial – 100 square kilometers, uh, Agalega, 70 uh, square kilometers, and St. Brandon, which is a fishing post, 1.3 kilometers. Now, Rodrigues is about 550 kilometers from where we are, Agalega further away, 1,100 kilometers, and St. Brandon, 430 kilometers. This is the Republic of Mauritius, a group of islands. Where are we located? Where are our neighbors? Because they say we are isolated. So, uh, the nearest to us is the French island of Réunion, which is a French uh, department. It's 300 kilometers away. Madagascar, a big island there, it's more than almost a continent, 1,100 kilometers away. Then, nearest point on the continent of Africa is South Africa, 3,000 kilometers away. Uh, and our nearest neighbor in South Asia is India, 5,000 kilometers away. And because we are all, all these islands together, our exclusive maritime economic zone is equal to 1.9 million square kilometers. So that's a brief presentation, geographic presentation. Now, who live there? It all started towards the, the end of the 16th century... I'm talking and forgetting to...
2: <laughs>
1: so, it all started in the, at the end of the 16th century. Uh, the Dutch came, uh, came along. They never really settled. And when they left, uh, more than 100 years later, there were only f- 236 inhabitants, comprising a few Dutch uh, people and slaves. When France came in in 1715, they stayed almost one century. And by the time they went, or by the time they were beaten by the British the French settlers were about one quarter of the population, the rest being slaves who had been imported from Madagascar and Mozambique principally. And Britain came in from 1810, and uh, the inhabitants were, of course, uh, the the French settlers. They did not not leave the the country. Uh, There were the descendants also of of the uh, indentured labor, because when slavery was abolished, Uh, Mauritius turned towards uh, importing indentured labor from from India and uh, afterwards there were also a few British settlers and the Chinese came in towards the end of the century so over that period the whole picture of Mauritius changed uh, having people from France, from Britain from uh, India from Asia, from Mozambique and from Madagascar. And this is what it is today. So we obtained our independence in uh, 1968, uh, but then we did not turn into a republic at the time, and this was done in 1992. So we've now gone full circle. So the population density. The population of Mauritius is equal to one28 Million, Mauritius being really the main island with almost the whole population, and Rodrigues has 40,000 people. The density is interesting. Mauritius has a density of 669 per square kilometers. Rodrigues is about half of that. The interesting thing I want to draw your attention to is that the urban population of Mauritius the density is over 3,000 per square kilometer, whereas the rural is less than 400. So it's very much an uh, uh, urban population. Although the, Those of you who know Mauritius might also say that wh- whereas we pretend to have five or six uh, towns, in fact, it's one big town, in a way. Uh, and this is where... Uh, we have this. We have this density of three thousand and forty-nine per square kilometer. Now, how is our land use? Um, you can see that uh, agriculture. Uh, I have two columns here: ninety-five and two thousand and five. This has been done uh, with an intent in, intentionally. Agriculture which used to represent forty six percent and agriculture was was is mainly sugarcane. Agriculture has fallen from forty six percent to forty three percent. Buildings have gone up from twenty to twenty-five, public lands, and there is a balance of thirty-two and thirty, and this balance is forests, scrublands, grasslands, grazing lands and so on. But when you look at two thousand and five, we see that This uh, 30% comprises 4,726 hectares of abandoned cane fields. The story here, which which we are being told, is that agriculture, the presence of agriculture is diminishing, being replaced by buildings, and there is abandoned cane lands. This is all part of the story that sugarcane has become much less important to the economy of Mauritius than it used to be. And we will talk more about this as we go along. So, after this introduction, I come back to the questions. Where from? That's the historical summary. Then how? That's the sector-wise profile. And then finally, where to? What next major issues facing the economy at the present time? 44 years ago, Mauritius became independent. March 12, 1968. The population then was of around 800,000. The population density was less than now, but it was 130. And uh, GDP per capita was only... $225. Unemployment was very high, 20%. It was a monocrop economy. That's where we... How we started, no doubt, we understand why Professor Hamid was so frightened about Mauritius. How has it happened that we are moved from a poor to a middle income country? I'll touch upon external factors first, and then I will come later on to internal factors. The external factors, we have benefited over all those years from preferential quotas and prices for sugar, that was first from Britain, then from the European community, uh, and also for ready-to-wear garments and textiles. We the beneficial agreements were uh, the Commonwealth Sugar Agreement that started in the 50s, followed by the Yaoundé Convention, the Lomé Convention, and the Cotonou Agreement. Over the, that period, as you know, Britain went into into Europe. That's why Commonwealth Sugar Agreement finally became Lomé Convention and then F- Cotonou Agreement. these preferences we obtained for our exports this has allowed us to pay for our imports Mauritius has to import everything in order to live we live by international trade and international trade in Mauritius is constantly uh, greater when you you, add imports and exports it's constantly greater than GDP sometimes by up to one third the, there was also during the eighties the takeoff of manufacturing for exports, the so-called export processing zone, facilitated, as I have said, by the preferential environment. And at the same time, there was some chance. i not if it is a miracle. It was there was some chance. We during the eighties particularly we benefited from a depreciation of the US. Dollar. So all this helped for the takeoff during the 80s of the EPZ. When we were creating jobs really f- fantastic for a few years, it was very great, great, great fun, except that in the 90s. When we thought we would do the same again, we could no longer do it. We also benefited from the technical and marketing know-how of uh, Chinese diaspora, as I've told you, there are Chinese immigrants in Mauritius and they had links and we sort of, in a way, copied what was going on uh, in Southeast Asia and th- th- they brought in technical and marketing know-how for the export processing zone. And we got also foreign specialists from France, South Africa and India. Again, with these, all these ancestry... Uh, which which is there, all the people who have have come over. So there are links, and uh, it's also been facilitated by the fact that we are using two international languages, which is English and French. So these were the external factors as I see it. But that's not enough. You can have favorable external factors, but you can throw them overboard if you don't have internal factors. Over this period, 44 years, Mauritius has been a democratic country. is a democratic country. There was a state of emergency for a few years in the 70s, but apart from that, it is a democratic country. What does that mean? Mandatory elections every five years. Rule of law, an independent judiciary, and a vibrant written press, and vibrant private radios. These are elements of democracy. I think you will agree. <coughs> On top of this, we have had a successful demographic transition during four decades. The average population growth has been equal to 1.1% per year. The average economic growth has been equal to 9.3%. Although it's not 9 now, it's run about 4 or 5. But I'm looking at the whole period. And as a consequence, the average income growth per head has been equal to 8.1%. Also, at the end of the 70s, we were in real trouble. At the end of the 70s, we had started 1968 pool. The 70s were not very good. And uh, we finally ended up with two devaluations. One in 1979, quite a hefty one, 29.6%. And in 1981, 20%. And in between 79 and 81, we were visited by some deadly cyclones. So you can understand, we had economic uh, cyclones and (coughs) geographical cyclones. So that's where we were at the end, at the beginning of the 80s, end of the 70s. (coughs) Then we went, we brought in the IMF. There was no, no way out, no choice. We brought in the IMF and they came with their prescriptions reduce the budget deficit, reduce the salary compensation, reduce consumption. You know all about this, isn't it? Uh, channel more bank credit to business enterprises. At that time bank credit was going more to the public sector than to business enterprises. Liberalise imports and interest rate. Excessive government intervention discouraged adopt export promotion policies. That's in the early 80s because throughout the 70s what we were trying to do was mainly import substitution and that model was sort of, I will not say rejected but uh, a bit uh, more, we became more quiet about it and we went in for export promotion policies. That was new in Mauritius. Control inflation, diversify the economy. That's another important thing, because we had been a sugar island, and in, it was in the, and in the 70s we had started trying to go into textiles, but without much success. But then we, there it became really a strategy diversify the economy through the promotion of the export processing zone, and a bit later on, during the 80s, tourism. And of course, the whole object was to try to create jobs in those new enterprises. So these were the prescriptions. What did we do with these prescriptions? We... Well, I'm not seeing... Yeah, no, I something missing there. <coughs> right. At the bottom here, perhaps you can't read it. Before 1990 we had repaid fully all the IMF and World Bank loans, equal at the time to some 500 million USD. This is a way of saying that these prescriptions were by and large followed, applied, and I think this contributed to a, a major extent to the development, to the further development of Mauritius. Now, now, That's not a full-blown success. I call it a mitigated success. Because while we were doing all this, there were errors which were were made. In the 70s, sterling was going down considerably, (coughs) sugar was going up, and yet our local currency, the rupee, was at a parity with sterling, and this gave rise to superficial and inflationary growth. An error of the 70s which brought us, finally, to the devaluations. We also, uh, that's much later in the 90s, we had delays in adapting to the liberalisation of international trade. We did sign, uh, we were happy to sign the Marrakesh Agreement, which set up the WTO, but we did not really have policies strong enough to put in practice this are adapting to the liberalisation of international trade. And uh, we also thought that the sugar protocol whereby we were being able to export sugar at a preferen- preferential price uh, and also with quotas, we thought this would go on and on and on. It did go long, a long time, but some, finally it's, it's ended and there it is. We had to to to, uh, adapt ourselves to that new situation. If we had done it earlier, it would have been better. These were errors. Um, And also the multi-fiber agreement. This is of importance to our textile uh, trade. We uh, also did not prepare ourselves properly for its uh, disappearance. Then there are weaknesses to be, still to be addressed, still to be addressed. The inadequate productivity of factors of production. Labor productivity has increased over the last 10 years at an average of 2.9%. And to a some extent because there has been more capital. We have become a bit more of a cap- capitalistic economy. And yet, When we look at the capital productivity, there is no no increase, there is a a decrease on average. The capital is not being sufficiently utilized. And the multi-factor productivity is also negative. So there is much to be done on this question of productivity. And this is a problem which we have to uh, deal with today, now and in future. Then we have public sector enterprises, some 100 of them, and their contribution to GDP is equal to 13%. Uh, we see them in key sectors, electricity, water, telecommunications. In telecommunications, there is a, 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 at the level of 40%, there is a presence of a, a private sector, well, French public sector rather, that's France Telecom. Uh, then safety net so that with this, uh, in the public sector they, by definition they have this f- finally if there is a problem they, they will get government subsidies and this to my mind is detrimental to productivity uh, profitability incentive and it can be a drain on budgeting resources through subsidies. This is a weakness to be addressed uh, today. Governance issues well, When you have public sector enterprises, it's difficult to avoid uh, political interference in day-to-day management. There can be lack of transparency and fairness in recruitment, and therefore this leads to a suboptimal deployment of resources and therefore inadequate productivity. And, uh, for instance, uh, tariffs and rates, when, for instance, for electricity, when the Central Electricity Board, which is the public utility, wants to increase its rates, it can't do it as an enterprise would do. It has to obtain government approval, and government approval is not always easy to come by because there are social considerations. So this uh, was uh, how, um, where do we come from? Now let's have a closer look at the (coughs) breakdown of the economy. Just to help you understand the rupees, these are very indicative figures only, 1 US dollar is equal to 30 rupees, 1 euro, 40 rupees, and 1 pound sterling, 50 rupees. The population I've already told you, 1.28 million. Uh, The GDP is about 11 billion USD, and the GDP per capita, which was 225 in 68, is now about 8,500 USD unemployment is still uncomfortable at 7.8 and so is inflation although inflation is probably going a bit down uh, next year consumption is at equal to 87.7% of GDP which is fairly high Uh, it had had gone down it had gone down but now it's gone up again because GDP is not growing enough whereas consumption continues to grow Uh, and which means Therefore, that saving isn't enough at 16.6%. I don't think it's enough. Uh, Investment at 24.8%. This might look okay, but when you realize that the public sector represents more than a quarter, that's not exactly good because you want investment to be mainly from the private sector because this is what is going to to create jobs, permanent jobs. Our forex reserves are very comfortable, 10 months in import equivalent. In 1979, it was one week. So, we've done some nice things also. We have one problem with the balance of payments, or rather with the current account of the balance of payments. As you can see, it's highly negative. 8.8% of GDP and it is so far fortunately balanced by the capital account but what is the capital account? The capital account is made, made of direct investments okay, that's fine general government must be a lot of debt in there then bank movements Other sectors, which is both long-term and short-term money, probably part of it, debt. Then portfolio, that's not very important. And migrants, migrants is not important in Mauritius. So, so far the capital account covers the deficit, but this can't go on and on and on. And there we have some work to do to get our current account less I, I dare not say positive, but less negative. And this means, in a country like Mauritius, more exports. More exports. So how do we get more exports? This is a question. Foreign direct investment, this is something we are watching all the time. Uh, so you can see that uh, where the monies are coming in, into what sectors. Uh, and uh, I draw your attention to real estate, 38%. Remember I was telling you how buildings are occupying more of the land. We have at present, Mauritius has turned a bit into a real estate development. Perhaps uh, there are questions about this, whether this is sustainable. Where does the money come from? As you can see, uh, Europe Represents a large amount, forty-nine percent. Draw your attention to Africa, twenty-five percent. This is particularly South Africa. Sector analysis, because we also um, uh, uh, have. We also invest. Mauritius invests abroad, and two point one billion estimated, and uh, you have various sectors where I don't think you point in wasting too much time on this. And uh, where do we invest? 62% is Africa. And this is interesting because we believe that Africa is the sort of next frontier, and Mauritius is terribly interested in uh, being able, perhaps, to invest or to do business with African countries. Now, the profile of the economy. I told you we are diversified. Uh, not worry if you can't read these figures too much. Uh, But just to give you an idea that now we have agriculture with sugar and what we call non-sugar, everything that is agriculture and not sugar is (laughs) non-sugar. Manufacturing, we have the export processing zone. What we call DOE is domestic enterprises. Moguishu is a very small market. But still, we have uh, some enterprises in the manufacturing sector which provide for the local (coughs) market. We have seafood, And on services, which is where, in a way, the engine for for future development, we have, of course, tourism, financial services, and some others there. So the important thing is perhaps to draw your attention to the jobs. And if you look at the uh, third uh, row down there, you will see that tourism employs something like 60,000 people, both direct and indirect, because tourism is a (laughs) labor-intensive industry. Uh, Sugar is only down to 20,000 now. The EPZ, which used to be the main engine in the 80s, is still there, but it has contracted uh, and employs something like 56,000. So, we have therefore a diversified economy, and the challenge for us is probably to try to add on more columns. Well, to start with, I would not have any place to, to put it there, but I think we I will have to correct it, but I think we should have more columns. In other words, we have to be inventive, creative, find out what, what more we can do. <laughs> a, a small country like this, cannot specialize. I think we have to try and find various uh, 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 industries uh, uh, in which to to develop. A few sectoral highlights. Uh, That's a new uh, in, in, in services. We have ICT and business process outsourcing. 500 companies. Uh, and uh, the sort of IT outsourcing has surpassed BPO, so the quality has gone up. Knowledge, we mean by this we are trying to, uh, to have, uh, develop our tertiary, tertiary sector and uh, trying to open ourselves to regional foreign students and foreign tertiary institutions. Hospitality and property seafood. So these are some of the highlights, figures which I have obtained from the Board of Investment, which is quite active in Mauritius at at the moment. Fish farming. We are going, hopefully, to have our first harvest of rice. As you know, rice is a staple food in Mauritius, but we don't produce any rice. Uh, but also, we have been allocated land in Mozambique and where we can have development projects there, agricultural projects there. Energy, I will talk more about it later on. Right now, we, have a, we are trying to convert uh, into, ga- into energy uh, uh, and landfill, landfill gas to energy. And, of course, in the midst of all this, we have had the crisis. Our first policy response came in 2009. We called it a stimulus package. And then, in uh, 2010, it changed its name. It became the ERCP, Economic Restructuring and Competitiveness Package. What is it all about? The stimulus package was to reduce the impact of economic crisis. It had a certain degree of success. Growth has been maintained in 2009, although reduced. Unemployment rate contained. And the size of the package was equal to 3.8% of GDP. What were its features? Front-loading infrastructural projects. Roads, airport, port... If you fly into Mauritius, you will be amazed to see all the infrastructural works going on, starting at the airport and then on the roads. Fortunately, because the roads are so there is so much traffic on the roads, and also bailing out, deserving, aiding enterprises. That was the stimulus package. Then <coughs> the ERCP, uh, the sort of the same same uh, aim. Uh, to organise the long-term restructuring of the economy, the size is 4%. Stimulus package was 3.8% of GDP. Positive growth rate was 4.3 in 2010, 4.5 in 2011. But I am afraid 2012 <coughs> will be probably nearer 3.8, 3.5%. Things are not getting better, but as in other countries. So this forecast when I prepared this was 4%, but now probably it will be less than 4% for this year. The features, continuation of front-loading infrastructural projects, short-term breathing space for enterprises with cash flow problems, and support long-term restructuring and deleveraging of firms. A private equity fund set up with public and private support. So, what next? What next? Uh, Major issues facing the economy of Mauritius. As I've told you, international trade is important. (coughs) It's greater than GDP. We live by exports. But where do we export? We are very Eurocentric. 63% of our exports go to Europe. Whereas we are near Africa, near South Africa, near Madagascar, only 16% (coughs) go to Africa. And most of that goes to Madagascar, Reunion, and South Africa. 80% of that. Very Eurocentric. But for imports, very Asia-centric. We import 52% of our requirements from Asia, 27% from Europe, and 12% from Africa, which is mainly uh, South Africa, the big brother. So there is, as you can see, an imbalance between Europe and Asia as regards our exports and imports. The conclusion I draw from this is that it is imperative for us to export more. To Asia and to increase our investment and trade with Africa, but that doesn't mean we forget Europe far from it. But we have to diversify. Diversify is a word. We've diversified our production. We have to diversify our trade. We have fortunately signed a number of agreements with uh, African countries, 18 investment protection and promotion agreements. We have some avoidance of double taxation agreements with African countries as we have also with India and China, these being very important double taxation agreements from which we benefit. When we look at our industries, we have some mature industries, sugar, but which can Progress through value addition, through refining, which is taking place. We now export refined sugar, no longer raw sugar. We export refined sugar uh, and we export what we call special sugars, which you can find in supermarkets here, by the way.
2: <laughs>
1: we, we are competing with Caribbean sugar. Uh, textiles and ready-to-wear. Uh, we, have, we, we have become relatively expensive compared to, say, Madagascar or Bangladesh and so we have to delocalize low value products and keep the high range. Tourism, we receive most of our tourists from Europe, uh, particularly France, uh, but not exclusively Italy, uh, Britain, Switzerland, Spain, uh, Germany, but we don't have enough from Asia. And uh, there is, at present, at last people have realized, both in government sector and in the tourist industry operators, that they have to diversify. And we are looking more and more towards India, where there are 300 million middle-income people, and China as many, where we could try to get a small proportion to fly to Mauritius, provided they get access, air access. And provided the product, the, 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 the Mauritius tourist product, is uh, adapted to the requirements of the Asian tourist as opposed to the European tourist. We need both. Financial services. We, you may have heard about the very good uh, agreement we have with, uh, und- for, for double taxation. So much so that uh, Mauritius is about the first or second investor in India, of course, it's not invest, it's not in Mauritian capital. It's capital coming from the large developed countries and flow, flowing through Mauritius. But that means that our financial services industry is excessively India-centric, and we have to sort of what we have been doing with India. We have to we have learned a lot from this. We've got the competence now, but we have to, to use Mauritius also as an investment. Fla- uh, uh, platform and as a channel of, of capital flow, flow of capital to African countries where there is a large need for infrastructure capital iCT uh, we have to enhance the skills uh, people li- our ict industry as uh, uh, as a is Benefit from the use of, uh, the, of two international languages, but we don't have enough people who are skilled enough or competent enough. So we have to, to enhance the skills of our young people in ICT. Then we have uh, some other issues. Uh, we are heavily dependent on petroleum products, 54%, and as regards renewables, only 17%. So this is not very good, nor are we, uh, uh, my, it seems to me, efficient enough in our use of, of, of uh, in our in- energy intensity. There is room for improvement, uh, water also. We waste a lot of water. And by the way, we Mauritians consume a lot of water uh, I understand much more than in this country, for instance, (coughs) 221 liters per person. I understand this is very high. Um, We have a demographic problem now. In the past, we used to have too many people, and now we have too many old people, and not enough young people. (laughs) These are the projections of the statistics office, and uh, they are saying that by the year 2050, young people up to the age of 19 will be only 20%, whereas people over 60 will be 28%. You imagine immediately what it is to have an aging population, aging both ways, getting older, but not enough young people. There is a declining fertility rate instead of the usual uh, the replacement rate of 2.1 is only 1.5. The declining mortality rate, that's better health services, but there it is, that's the, that's the uh, consequence. Life expectancy is rising. Of course, women live a bit longer. A bit of an easier life. So they see. Activity rate of a working age population, Is at present 59.8, and probably it will have to go up. If we want to continue to develop the country, we we need also the the, the population. Um, Present day challenges. Uh, There is an enhanced competition in international markets for goods and services. We are no longer in a preferential environment. Uh, On top of which, we have these famous BRICs, which are claiming their share, becoming more aggressive. And in the World Competitiveness Report, we are ranked 55th. We should improve, I believe. I think we should, because we have to gain, maintain, at least maintain our share on (coughs) the international foreign markets we have deficient infrastructure much work is being done now but we have to continue uh, doing do, doing doing this there is much uh, the airport is going to be very much improved water and electricity i have told you i think we have problems the roads are being dealt with the port there's still more work to be done so these are the challenges and of course we have to sometime, when, we don't know, we have to exit the economic stimulus mode. We have to exit it. Just like other countries. Our budget deficit now is at uh, 4.5%. For years and years, our ministers, our success- successive ministers of finance have said, back to 3% of GDP. We're still waiting. Uh, reduce public debt. Now, public debt ratio is 60%. Slightly less. Which is not bad compared to some famous countries which are reaching 90% and more, if not 125%. But still, we should try to bring our public debt ratio lower, to say 50%, which would which be more acceptable. We have to prevent a rise in the unemployment rate and control inflation. And there, of course, how do you uh, manage between controlling inflation and having an accommodative exchange rate? Avenues for progress, pursue diversification of economic activities for exposure to international and regional markets. I have touched upon this earlier. (laughs) Also, there is no longer any Lomé agreement, any Cotonou agreement. We are trying to have an economic partnership agreement with the European Union. It's not yet signed, as far as I know. Then Mauritius is part of some regional uh, institutions, like COMESA and SADC, and we have to try and benefit from this. And there is also uh, another organization uh, with uh, Madagascar, Reunion, and Seychelles, it's called the IOC Indian Ocean Countries. And through all these, try to uh, improve our regional performance. I know this may not be exactly what the WTO would like, but. Uh, there comes a point where you have to to, to to fight for your own for your own future and go for regional agreements. I know there is a big, big debate about this. Um, we tend to say in Mauritius that the sugar industry is gone. What we must now have is the cane industry, that is cane which will produce sugar. But the byproducts will also help us produce energy by mixing with coal. We'll, we'll the byproduct of sugar of, of cane is bagasse. Of the sugar production is bagasse, which is mixed with coal <coughs> to give you renewable energy and perhaps ethanol. There we are not too sure because this is quite costly. But anyway, these are subjects; these are uh, avenues to be to be studied modernize our agricultural practices for better quality and higher returns on investments. There I'm looking not really at sugar, but really at what is called non-sugar, where we, have to produ- we produce vegetables, for instance, and some, some small Mauritian operators are even exporting. Uh, so there is work to be done there, but. Nobody today wants to work like grandfather grandpa used to work. So we have to get modern agricultural practices, more capitalized and better skills. Then, of course, we have to use our <coughs> facility, So we say, I don't think it is facility, but our multilingualism to put Mauritius on the map of international conferences and events, that's more of a, a sugar uh, tourism industry, and, of course, uh, safeguard the environment. At present, there is a project, a government project, called Mauritius Il Durable, durable, sustainable. And there, there is work to be done, for instance, uh, in, in ref- with reference to water wastage, lagoon overfishing, and town degradations. There is work to be done there. At least, if we also if we want tourists to come, they should uh, also be able. We should be able to provide them with all the facilities, and also the, the beauty and not have it degraded in the towns. But there, this is, It's easy to say what we must do, but will the population do it? Will it adapt? We have to adapt to this new situation. <coughs> We've gone from an economic model which was based on preferences and we are now in open competition. We have, we have already started, but we still have to get this going, to get uh, people to agree to, that we are now... Nobody is, is, is going to, to, to save us if we, if we don't know how to fight and keep our markets. We have some wastage in, in our educational system. <coughs> We tend to produce elites, but probably we leave quite a lot of people by the roadside. We are at 37% failure at the primary level. And we have an unhealthy competition for a relatively small number of academic scholarships. Promote a knowledge economy. ...through research and encourage inventiveness and entrepreneurship. And bring informal sector activities into the mainstream. Never, yet, never an easy thing, but I feel there should be some work done on that score. Uh, improve governance in uh, public and private sector. There is corruption. We lost a few places, unfortunately, on the transparency index recently... We have in para I have talked about this sometimes, excessive intervention. Uh, Counteract the growing, graying of population, which would mean lengthening working life. Uh, (laughs) and uh, So that our young people don't find themselves working just to uh, finance pensions for older people. In the final analysis, that's a philosophical question, why, why pursue economic growth, you might ask? Well, I think it's also to have a better social situation, improve the standard of living of everybody and improving the lot of the poor. At present, there are just over 100,000 persons considered to be below the poverty line, but that's a bit of an old figure. I don't have any new, any new one. I think it's going to be calculated soon. Uh, This is equivalent to 8.5% of the population. We must maintain our high development index as measured by the um, UNDP, and we have a a Gini coefficient of 0.389, which is not bad, but uh, which should probably fall a bit, getting nearer to 0.33, but I don't think we will soon do that. There is some inequality (laughs) building into the system. So what are our alternatives in the final analysis? Are the economic status quo and a better sharing of the cake? I prefer that we go for production of a larger cake and, of course, improved sharing. And the status quo is not an option. Therefore, we have to focus on economic growth and pursue the track record of the past 44 years into the foreseeable future. And now, the last question, can this model be applied elsewhere. I will try to go through these three steps, identify the features of the model I have been showing you, with what it has succeeded in doing and the challenges, classify them between policy-dependent and (coughs) non-policy-dependent, and draw a conclusion. But it is imperative to bear in mind I'm talking to you about a model, not a miracle. The non-policy-dependent features, those which depend on our geographical situation between Africa and Asia, favorable to make Mauritius into a hub or a platform, our cultural links with the countries from which our ancestors came. This has favored investments, but has favored the participation in the sugar protocol in the Lome Convention and in the use of international languages. Existence of a strong private sector due to the presence of the sugar estates at the time of independence and agro-industrial activity. Availability of a solid block for further development. These were, as I say, these were the non-policy-dependent. Geography, cultural links, sugar, industry. Now, the policy-dependent democracy, the rule of law a vibrant press and at the time of independence no large scale nationalization as has happened in many many countries when they became independent. Relatively smooth relationship between public authorities and private enterprises. Let's be frank, they they don't always see eye to eye but there is the dialogue and by and large this has worked very well a judicious use of the preferences Mauritius obtained. We got uh, benefits from the sugar protocol, from the textile uh, uh, quota for textiles, but I think we used it judiciously. And then we opened up, on IMF prescription, but we opened up, we agreed to open up the economy from the 1980s, during the 1980s. Also, uh, we have had, generally speaking, social policies conducive to the maintenance of a stable environment throughout most of the 44 years. We have a so-called welfare state, although there are difficulties in in maintaining it, and it might be subject to changes, I don't know, but at the present, we have free education and health, uh, and the staple foods are subsidized. There is universal old age pensions and all this totals one third of budget expenditure. Big question here, can we continue? But there it is, this has, this has been a policy, a social policy and it has maintained stability. Uh, and uh, houses below the poverty the relative, we don't have a, we have not yet calculated the absolute poverty line, but houses below the relative poverty line have been cut at about 15% of the total. Observations. The model, if we are going to, if we are going in Mauritius to continue uh, in keeping it sort of, we have to be dynamic and adaptable, adaptable over time. And times have changed and have changed for the worse. Uh, and therefore, there, as I've told you, there are challenges to test the robustness of the model important to develop new policies in the spirit of the model as a response to new circumstances. So what do we conclude? The policies which have been favorable to socio-economic development, I dare say, are not specific to Mauritius. They can have a worldwide application of course to be adapted to the characteristics of the particular country. That's what I have just said. To adapt the right policies to individual country situations. And I would conclude by saying that where there is a will, there is a way. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much for, for a, a very comprehensive and detailed overview of uh, the Mauritian economy, its development, and uh, indeed the obstacles that had that to be overcome in order to, to uh, make the kinds of achievements, arrive at the kinds of achievements we've seen. We, I'm, I'm sure that there are questions out there. I'd like to take them in groups. I'd also like to ask people to identify themselves so, so, so that uh, if, 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 you know knows who who problem is. Um, I'm, I'm a former LAC student and my question is about the experience of other countries similar countries um, to Mauritius like um, Singapore for example an island state or Hong Kong um, or even the former islands where I believe uh, the UK is now drilling really for oil so to, to what extent has Mauritius learned from, from the experience of
2: Steve Lacan, please. Dr. slow Africa International Affairs Programme. Uh, Mr. Dean, thank you very much indeed for a very comprehensive lecture. Um, I would like you, please, if you could elaborate on uh, the opportunities and challenges of China. Obviously, this is a very pertinent topic in terms of African development, as in Chris's own work. Um, do Chinese textiles threaten the Mauritius domestic markets and direct domestic production? Is China seen as uh, something that uh, could be exploited to China's interest in the region? And also, I have a question about is Mauritius likely to be threatened by climate change? One more and then more. No doubt, congratulations from the columnist's perspective. You have presented a very perfect demonstration of the miracles of Mauritius. However, if I may touch on the point you made toward the end, better sharing of the case. We have heard little in your presentation. Is it not a case, I'd like you to uh, share with us your experience, that we have seen (coughs) the rich getting richer and the poor getting poorer, especially in light of statistics of 37.6 failure primary education. So is it not always the case of survival of the students, the Mauritian way? <coughs>
0: We will hold from
1: there if you want to answer the three questions. Yes, of course, we have uh, learned a bit from Singapore, Hong Kong. This is, in fact, many of us say we should be like Singapore and Hong Kong. eh? It's very in the background. I personally believe it's not exactly possible to replicate. Again, I don't think anybody can, any country can replicate others. But we can learn and and we we, we are really very much uh, um, uh, admirative of of, of what's going on in in Singapore and and Hong Kong. Um, It's there. As an example. But we have our specificities. As regards... uh, Sorry, Dr. Ansru, I did not exactly understand the first question.
2: Um, Chinese uh, imports into the open Mauritian economy, do they challenge the export drive? Do they threaten employment, local employment? Um, Is China driving
1: from Mauritian land? No, No, uh, our textile industry has uh, no problem with Chinese imports. The presence of the Chinese in Mauritius is much more... uh, uh, Our concern is about that uh, land they have uh, obtained on contract from from the government, where they are going to develop some sort of an industrial business uh, park, as it were, and they are going to use it for uh, for production, so we are told, into Africa, using Mauritius that's the whole idea of using it as a, as a platform, as a hub. And the thing is, so far we don't know much about it. We don't know much about it. But, they are go- but uh, I think the government were quite uh, impressed by the possibility of having more activity there and perhaps employing people. But, but it, it's still a bit hazy what's going what's going to happen. Where we are having some so, we see some problems when we look at it from a Mauritian point of view. Uh, China is uh, investing, is, is lending money to Mauritius, for, uh, particularly for buildings in, in construction, and they bring in their capital and their people. So, the construction industry, the local construction industry says, well, we are not employing our own people. So, there are some difficulties of that nature. Uh, the, your other question about climate change. Well, for the last 15 years, we usually have 15 cyclones per year, on average, in the region. For the last 15 years, we have not had practically a single one. There was one the other week. It threatened us, but it passed by. So so far it looks as if climate change is helping us <laughs> but I'm just but, I am just but I'm just I'm just, I'm just joking but uh, yeah well cl- climate change we are aware we are aware that this is the problem and as I was saying earlier on there is even a project now which is championed, sponsored by government uh, but uh, there are committees sitting you know so climate change we are talking about it I think my wife wants to say something Ah, what? I <laughs> ah, yes. Ah, ah. I was thinking of a wind only, but uh, yes, we when we don't have cyclones, we don't have enough water. <laughs> we so what we need, in fact, is benevolent cyclones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. But as everywhere in the world, we're always saying the climate seems to be changing. You know, now it's hotter, now it's colder. I mean, I, I'm, that's not my field. I don't really, really reply properly to you. Um, and the third question was about the better sharing of a cake. Yes. Well, I, I did, yes. I, I, I was not Coming here to talk about sort of social aspects, although I thought it was necessary to end with that because what's the point of having economic growth if you're not going to share? So yes, there is always the question of, of better, of better sharing, and uh, as with any country where the economy grows and grows relatively quickly, which is the case of Mauritius, relatively quickly, you have this problem of how you manage. Inequalities. every five years or so we cal- we have an household budget and we are we had one, I think, last year or this year we are having one. And we should have figures probably by the end of the year, uh, and where we will have calculated the Gini coefficient, which expresses inequality. And uh, I told, I gave you the, the last figure of five years ago, which was thirty eight point nine, thirty eight point nine. I am afraid it may well be a bit worse. So yes, we have to. To, to, we have to be careful about, about this. And perhaps this is where it puts into question our model of a, of a welfare state. Uni- we are giving universal support. For instance, universal pensions, universal education, etc. Uh, can we continue to afford it? Should we not give it, give subsidies, give help to those who are really poor and not give to those who are relatively better? These are questions which have to be answered uh, eventually, it seems to me.
0: Thank you. Um, there was the back think you. Yeah, um, my question
2: will be about central bank in Mauritius. Um, so it's uh, beside the basic work of printing money. So, sorry, could you identify yourself? Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm a Martian student doing a master in finance at SRS. So central bank, how can they help uh, the Mauritius government and the Mauritius itself to uh, improve itself? Uh, besides the natural work of a central bank? How can you have the um, exports um, economic growth of the country? Dean mm. okay. um, oh. um, Peru um, Insolvency Solicitor, MAB, and um, um, just wanted to um, know how Mauritius um, is going to encourage young people to stay in
0: the country, as opposed to working, working elsewhere in Europe, uh, We've got quite a number, so I'll take three more so one here. Uh, Peter Jones, I'm the governor at, of LSE. Uh, I was interested in the ethanol um, debate, and particularly the conversion of sugar to ethanol. Because superficially, at least, you import most of your energy. Uh, uh, it's a green process to convert sugar. Uh, to ethanol, um, and I'd be interested in your take on the underlying economics of it from a Mauritian point of view. Okay, and so three more, one back there. Yeah. Irving Henry British Bankers Association. I'm a Mauritian. Yeah. Please speak up. We can't. Yeah. Irving Henry from the British Bankers Association. Will the Bank of Mauritius adopt macroprudential supervision? So, for example, there's a real estate bubble building up, and will you be able to let it down? without much
3: damage. Um, having worked in places like Ireland and Spain, where you have them, Mauritius looks suspiciously similar. Hi, I'm Dionna I work as a financial analyst in a mobile marketing company. Uh, my question is regarding your conclusion where uh, you're saying that uh, your model is not specific to Mauritius. Having travelled to Mauritius and uh, from your presentation, from your external success factors and uh, your non-policy um, non politi- uh, non uh, uh, factors. It appears that you Mauritius is surprisingly embracing its history uh, compared to other countries with the colonial background. You seem to uh, see the advantage of having a uh, diversified uh, Society, and when you say you ex- you use the know-how of the Chinese marketing and the and the French and your cultural link, however, you don't seem to um, to take it as a as a point into your development. Uh, when um, you don't talking, this Mauritius is sustaining that? Is there a word? Because. Having worked in Mauritius, I know that you're one of the countries with the most days off because you respect every minority within your country <laughs> and uh, each religion is respected at, at a certain extent. Uh, I see the competitive advantage compared to every other countries, where even we, with a really intense background in a, as a colonial country, we don't we see integration as a problem and you manage to kind of successfully integrate all your minorities and I'm thinking is that something we could benchmark to African countries which have kind of the same background and you in many languages from French to English or, or Dutch uh, and they don't seem to have the same ease than Mauritius to apply. Okay, to I the, well, very, very one
0: last one and then I hope another round after that, yeah. Um, international tourism student, just want to know what Mauritius have
2: in place for the next five years in terms of tourism?
1: I think the easiest the, the, the last question yeah. <laughs> uh, it when is e- ne- <laughs> the next five years yeah. when well, I mentioned it Di- diversify markets um, particularly Asia but diversifying market forces you to diversify the product you can't offer to an Indian or Chinese tourist the same product as you offer to a European tourist. So this is the all set for the tourist industry to do, both at the level of government and of Mauritius, providing access, and also the product, the, the tourist operators, the private sector. That's how I see it. Huh? Uh, Central Bank... In, what was the question?
2: Uh, Besides the, 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 main, the main work of a central bank, which policy can they apply to? What can they do to help the country uh, Greece by itself on economic growth and focus on export, like knowledge or everything? What can they do themselves, the central bank, as an institution?
1: I touched upon that when I said there is a problem of accommodative uh, exchange rate and control of inflation. If you try to control inflation only you might have, as we have now, sort of a appreciating currency. So what? it's a difficult balancing act. It's a very <coughs> difficult balancing act to do. And uh, the, the bank is uh, facing that, that challenge <coughs> and trying to respond. Let's not forget that uh, Mauritius, like many other developing countries, is finding his currency appreciating because the strong currencies are depreciating and in our case particularly the US dollar and the euro so these are the difficulties. What can the bank do more than that? Don't forget also it's a, uh, it's a small bank in a way huh? Well, even the Bank of England could not fight against George Soros in the past so you can see it's, you, you need a lot of of uh, muscle to be able to to, to to do more than what it is trying to do. Uh, encouraging people to stay in the country. Very good question. <laughs> young people. I agree with you. There are, there are difficulties there and it is a bit of a shame to see many young uh, graduates, professionals, going back. The problem is uh, uh, you can't value, as it were, you can't value on good weather, on the sun, on etc. You work in you work in uh, in uh, in a country like like here, for instance. Obviously, your earnings are going to be much higher, and when you convert this into rupees, we say, oh, that's so they are offering me. So that's one problem. The other the other problem is perhaps that the, the, the society is not aware enough of the what could be brought into uh, Mauritius by the younger people who have been studying who come with new ideas. Uh, maybe there should be, a, I don't know to what extent uh, 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 No, you are, raising, uh, you are raising an important question which perhaps uh, we, should, uh, we should throw back at, the, at our government, at our um, Minister of Education or, or whatever, or tertiary education. But I agree with you. Ethanol. F- uh, con- uh, how to? Your 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 problem is about F- no. Your question is about ethanol. F- We've been talking about this for years and years and years. We usually say, well, we'll go on to ethanol F- when the price of petrol goes up, and then it goes down again. And the economics of it is, from what I understand, it's expensive. It's more expensive than, than petrol. So that therefore there is not much. Uh, incentive to carry on. But it, it would have to be a sort of a strategic decision to be taken uh, by, by the powers that be, by government in association with the sugar industry to try and produce ethanol. But to add, added to which, I mean, uh, our, as our cane, cane sugar industry is contracting, there uh, will be less of, uh, of his product to, to make ethanol. So in actual fact, what we are doing now, you might have a maybe perhaps laugh the, we are, our molasses are being used increasingly for improved rum quality. <laughs> and uh, which we are exporting, which we are exporting. So, but I don't know if that is going to bring us uh, as much economically, as much benefit as if we could, in actual fact convert a little bit to, to ethanol. It's not sort of it's there, but you don't see it progressing. That's what I what I feel, what I observe. Macro-prudential supervision. What uh, exactly what were you meaning? So the central bank
0: controls the amount of credit in the economy and knows when to perhaps change loan-to-value or loan-to-income ratios. You know, make sure that you know if one part of the economy is going out of control, the banks don't. Uh, scope the
1: even more? Well, this is part of uh, Mauritius' job, of course, yes, macro supervision, and they are, they are, I know that they audit the banks uh, regularly, now and again the governor speaks his mind, and uh, so I would feel that this is do- is doing this, and uh, yes, we, we realise that there may be, that there, are, there may be risks, uh, additional risks with uh, specifically specific Especially what we call the uh, IRS, the uh, real estate development. This is uh, we, we we know we are aware of this. Well, let's see, let's hope that we we don't have to get into difficult. We don't get into difficult situations. where have bank, the, the central bank would have to 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 intervene. Hmm? We have less days off now. <laughs> Were you been in the 70s? <laughs> we reached... But, uh, it's, uh, it's good. We, I, I lived through it personally uh, in, in the 70s when uh, in one year we had 28 public holidays. That was when we had a, quite a weak government and the poor minister, Prime Minister was trying to please everybody. Now now we are back to about 12, eh? 12 public days, <laughs> right? Um, which is be more than in this country, but we can't help it, huh? Eh? <laughs> but as, as a rule, you have said that you have seen that so we have sort of succeeded in getting all the
3: people together. You seem to have reached a level of integration where you don't even uh, witness it, but from our perspective, from Europeans, where in- integrations keep coming back on the table as a niche that we need to address you talk about French and British as your ancestors and your cultural links and I think it's quite surprising and amazing how you, you managed to integrate all those cultural and uh, took them into your aven- advantage to reach such a miracle I mean.
1: maybe we should not be so um, go, go that far let's uh, admit that there can be friction but it doesn't translate into violence or things like that. It's it's happened once or twice eh, over these 40 years. But generally speaking, we understand each other, we live together, and uh, we respect each other. Let's put it like that. While being aware of the differences. hmm? Uh, To the external eye, yes, Uh, it looks... Integrated is a big word, eh, but but it, it looks good, and in, indeed, it's, it's very good for Mauritius because take, uh, when, when you're an investor, you want to be sure that you are going into a country which is where, where people understand each other, accept each other, work together. And generally speaking, yes. So you, you are right, although one should not sort of paper over differences which can happen in everyday life in Mauritius. If we have <coughs> time for just a couple of
0: more, I know there was... A if you want to
2: say something, then I'm just going to... Someone in the back, yeah. There. Yeah, Yeah. yeah um, Michael Amoa, associate of the African International Affairs Program. Uh, you mentioned about economic partnership agreements, uh, briefly. Um, my understanding is that lots of countries in the sub-region have not signed it, um, or are reluctant to sign it. So, you say if you've signed it and... If you have signed, it, what sort of advice would you give to those who are not trying to sign? It? No. And then the last one is... Um, Mauritius currently has the status of a developing economy. I've read in the papers yesterday that the Mauritian government wants to lobby the World Bank to get the status of a developed economy. Um, would you welcome this initiative?
1: Well, that's news to me. <laughs> I really don't know why they are going for that. Will that help us in our borrowing requirements? Are we going to get lower interest (laughs) rates? My feeling, I mean, I really don't know what are are the reasons behind that, but my feeling is we should deserve the name. Do we deserve it as yet? I'm not so sure. I think I have, from what I have shown you here, there are a lot of challenges,
2: which we we
1: have to, to, to work through these challenges. And then we'll see, but obviously, yes, it's a good idea to try. We must leave, we, have, we must have our... Uh, set our aims high. Hmm? As regards, uh, we have not... as far as I know, we have not signed the EPA, yes. There, I think there are a number of countries in the uh, s- East Africa, eh? a few countries, Together with Mauritius, we are we are working together. I think I'm, I'm not very much aware of all the details. We are working together to try to get this EPA, but it is taking a lot of time. And I understand each country is defending its uh, its share, is defending its ideas. And uh, but it is unfortunate that, uh, because eventually, uh, I suppose, uh, Europe will lose patience. As it is losing patience with Greece, isn't it?
0: I believe we have uh, we've worked you pretty hard. I'm very anxious to be able to, to help you solve the mystery of water per capita um, uh, consumption because I think there are things that we drink in Britain that you probably are not aware of. <laughs> it's the yeah, but, that's why, but, <laughs>
1: but, but that's, why, that's why I said we were trying when about the question of ethanol, I said we were, <laughs> we were also producing grimy.
2: <laughs> <running.
0: laughs> thank you very much for, for sharing with us.